Welcome to the inaugural episode of Word on the Street. I'm here with my brother. How's it going, everybody? And today we are discussing video game and tech. We have an exciting lineup today. Oh, yes Talking about Final Fantasy VII, talking about next gen, some new infos coming. Yes, new info coming. We'll get to that here in a minute. But to start it off, we want to talk about what we've been playing recently. So Hunter, go ahead. Well, I've been playing, so I want to preface this, actually. I'm a big shooter fan. I like shooters. I like um, first-person shooters, anything first-person. I, I play a little bit of third-person shooters, but not a lot. But I've been playing Dead Cells recently, and I really, really like Dead Cells. We, I've had a few minor difficulties here and there. My only complaint about it is that I played the game once and beat it, and then you actually took the controller after me and beat it and none of those were saved i don't know why they weren't saved i think we disconnected from the internet but i had lost a lot of progress but i've been hopping on dead cells a lot just to grind a little bit there what have you been playing well hold on we gotta talk about dead cells a little bit here um i thought it was really fun i thought the combat was really good yeah um i didn't play as much as you did but in my experience i enjoyed it i have played a roguelite before i played wizard of legend and I liked it. It's a lot less complicated than Dead Cells is. I think that I slightly prefer Wizard of Legend because I'm not the biggest Metroidvania fan, and Wizard of Legend was a lot more straightforward in its map design. Yeah. I'd also say my first run of Wizard of Legend, as in beating the game for the first time, was easier than beating Dead Cells for the first time. But Dead Cells is meant to be beaten multiple times, which I think is really cool. Uh, so I'm sure we'll try out the harder difficulties, you know, a little later. Yeah. Little later, yeah. we only beat it on zero BC, but you know it was fun. So, and I'm excited to compare Wizard of Legend too because that's probably going to be the next game I play. Um, but yeah, Dead Cells was fun. You've been playing a lot of FromSoft games though, haven't you? So I have been playing three games so far in this quarantine summer. Two of them is the FromSoft games, yep. Dark Souls Remastered, and Sekiro. So I'll start with Dark Souls. Uh, I really like Dark Souls. The first half of it especially, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute, but it was my first Dark Souls game all the way through, and I really enjoyed it. I played as a cleric, if anybody cares about that nerd cleric. stuff. Ooh. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> I honestly even want to try the game on a pure melee build, but... I think o- overall, the first half of it was really excellent. Uh, the level design was awesome. I know this is cliche. You probably hear, you know, this is a common uh, uh, criticism, but the first half was so interconnected, while the second half kind of became a little gimmicky, where each area was kind of off in their own corners of the map or whatever, and they all had a weird gimmick to them. And so it kind of fell off a little bit in the second half, but, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was an awesome sense of discovery to see all the ways that these different levels kind of connect together. It was really difficult as well, which I liked, but it was never too frustrating. Uh, it felt fair. I will say, and I'll get to this a little bit when talking about Sekiro, that the there was a lot of inconveniences in the game, uh, just like long runs to a boss, you know, not having fast travel with between bonfires. But it, it really wasn't too bad. It wasn't too inconvenient, so I enjoyed that. And then I played Sekiro, which I liked it like a lot as well, almost as much as Dark Souls, but for different reasons. I feel like 
where Dark Souls excelled in the level design and everything leading up to the bosses, Sekiro excelled in the bosses themselves. This is cliche as well, but it really did feel like a, like a dance with the bosses, like you were actually interacting with them instead of just swinging a heavy sword and hitting their tail or something. You actually felt like you were in a sword battle. I really think that the combat system in that game is all-time great. It's amazing. Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro. Talking about Sekiro now. I think it has an all-time great combat system. Um, however, I don't think the level design was as good as Dark Souls, and I don't know if it's even possible to match the level design of the first few hours of Dark Souls. Um, so I really enjoyed both of them. I think that I'll probably try to play Bloodborne at some point. I think uh, most people say that's the best FromSoft game. Um, so I'll try probably try to play that. There's been rumors about Bloodborne coming to PC, and of course, I'm sure they're working on a Bloodborne 2 yeah. uh, for PS5. So I'll definitely get around to that, but I really enjoyed these FromSoft games. I will say that I, I never played Dark Souls, I never played Sekiro, but I watched you play them. For me, personally, watching Sekiro was a lot more enjoyable than watching Dark Souls. Right. Um, yeah, and, and one thing about Sekiro 2 is that it's a lot more convenient. You know, you have fast travel. Yeah. Uh, there's bonfires pretty much right beside a boss or a mini boss. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's hard for me to pick which one I like better. I think that even though Sekiro's just kind of normal level design, like normal enemies, is not as good as the bosses, there's like so many bosses and mini bosses that it's just like back to back to back bosses anyway. I think they realize their strengths. Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't really pick which one I like more, but I'm just excited to try Bloodborne and probably Dark Souls 3 at some point. Nice. Okay, cool. So, to move on, we had a little bet for, uh, I'm only home for a little bit, and Tanner said, well, I'm going to win a game of Fortnite before you leave. And here's the thing about Fortnite, if you don't play it often or something, it went while you're leveling up in the season pass, you encounter a lot of bots until you get to a higher level. And once you do, you start encountering more and more players. So as we played more and we lost more, we knew that it would be more difficult to win. And finally, you won a game. Right. Yeah, I'm going to talk myself up here a little bit because <laughs> I don't normally play Fortnite. Um, but when I do, I'm an athlete at it, essentially. <laughs> However, kind of like what Hunter mentioned, is I, I kind of blew my chances because I was losing so much that I was leveling up, though, and I stopped seeing bots. I was yeah. like, oh, man, this this probably isn't going to happen now. But I clutched up. They call me Tifu now. That's what they call me here. <laughs> clutched up. I got the big dub so I can finally stop worrying about winning a Fortnite yeah. game. Yeah. I'm done with it. <laughs> like, I don't want to see anymore. I got second place so many times. <laughs> but, no, it's it's hard. I, don't, I, I think what I like about Fortnite is just the building is really cool. Yeah. You don't have to shoot as much. It differentiates itself from every yeah. other game. Um, so it's a it's a good game. Yeah. I, I'm glad to be done with it though. Glad yeah. to get that dub. Put it aside. <laughs> so I don't have the w. It, It's not haunting me at night yeah. anymore. And, and we've run some duos, but I am so bad at that game. It's not even funny. I just can't build and can't edit. So there's no athlete. I'll no tell athlete. You guys that much. So that we're going to move on to the topic of today: Final Fantasy VII. So Tanner, you played the original and the remake. So what is your experience with the games? And then what do you think about both the original compared to the remake? 
Yeah, so that was the the remake was the third game I've played in quarantine summer. Uh, I'll start off by saying that you know Final Fantasy VII is an extended universe. Uh, there's a movie called Advent Children that takes place after the events of the original game, and there's another game. I think it's a PSP game called Crisis Core. And that has to do with a flashback that's really important to the story. Also, spoiler alert if you don't want to hear spoilers <laughs> yeah, Spoiler about the alert game. for Final Fantasy VII, all of it. Right, so all those two things I just mentioned, the movie and the PSP game, I have never played. So I'm those not, are canon, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so I'm not like the biggest you know, Final Fantasy VII nerd in the world. Like uh-huh. I've only played the original and I've only played the remake, so I'm not super knowledgeable on everything. But they're some of my favorite games of all time. They're very high up there uh in terms of I'll, I'll break it down i'll start with the original uh i think the original has aged a little poorly in some ways because i didn't play it i didn't play it you know when it came out by any means i actually right. played it uh earlier this year for the first time um i did play on the nintendo switch so i also played it with random encounters and fast forward and stuff like that so that's important so i did not get like the original experience by any means so I, I do think that the game has aged poorly in some ways, but those cheats help kind of mitigate that. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of random encounters. I think that's kind of becoming an old-timey thing. Right. Uh, it can be used in, you know, certain games well, but you kind of have to be able to turn it off, in my opinion. And so having that cheat... It's 2020, yeah. Yeah, having that cheat helped a lot. Um, and then fast forward, you know, helps with just grinding. So I think those cheats help with all the ways that the game is aged poorly. And so everything else is just extremely high praise. Uh, firstly, and I think most significantly, is the plot. The plot is just so classic. It's incredible. Um, people usually say that the first five hours, the Midgar section is the best. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's amazing all the way through. Um I think it's really cool how they made the first five hours of a game kind of linear through kind of a very contained place, and then they open it up to a world map. So by the time it really kind of helps that sense of exploration because it's like I spent the first few hours of this game very contained in this one place, but now it's like this whole world is opening up. Right. Um. So the story's incredible. Uh, I think it's awesome. It didn't feel rushed at all. Like I feel like this remake expanding things. You know, I was hoping that I wouldn't have to go back to the original game and be like, man, it's not fleshed out. But it really is. It still is fleshed out in the original game. Um, the gameplay is really good. The materia system is obviously classic. Right. Not having to level up characters, but instead level up these abilities that you can just put onto characters makes it so that you can have unique situations with different party members instead of having to be like, oh, like I have to have this party member. I have to spend an hour grinding her or him up, you know. <laughs> Instead, you could just give them the materia and you're pretty much all good. Okay. Um, yeah, so so the original is a 10 out of 10, in my opinion. It's incredible. And then the remake, I, I also have extremely high praise for. I like it pretty much just as much as the original, even though it's quite different. Uh, it does not feel like a bunch of filler content. They made Midgar like a full world. It felt fully fleshed out. Um, it felt like it had a middle, beginning, and it just felt like a full game. It didn't feel like five hours stretched out into you know despair. So it didn't feel like an intro, it's right? No, like a so like a full story. Yeah, yes. right. It, it felt like a an intro, but itself was a full game. Yes, okay. and 
all the directions they went with the characters and the plot, everything felt right. It looked right. Cause there wasn't obviously any voice acting in the original, but all the voices sounded right. The writing was great. Of course there's some tropey stuff in there, but not really not that much. Right. Um, there's, there, there's a couple of points that felt a little fillery. Uh, there's one kind of set piece near the end of the game where the lead up to it was a little long. Some of the side quests felt like just fetch quests, you know, just kind of there to fill some time. Because I did all the side quests. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them were kind of meh. But besides those things, you know, I only have high praise for the game. And then well, actually one more criticism is exploration didn't feel really rewarded. It felt like a very linear experience. Like if you did explore a little bit, I feel like the most you would get is like either a dead hallway, truthfully, or or like a potion or something. So I wish there was a little more exploration involved. Um, but other than that, the story is fantastic. Uh, and we'll get to that here in a minute, kind of going deep into the story, just giving a general overview. The gameplay is incredible. It's one of the best combat systems I've ever used. They really nailed the combination between action combat and turn-based combat. It kind of seemed, you know, kind of eye-rolly when they said that they're going to preserve the magic of the old turn-based but also kind of modernize it with right. action. Right, everybody was like, oh, this is just corporate talk. Right, yeah, yeah but they did it. it. They did it. Uh, the other characters, they feel really fleshed out in combat. I mean, I used Barry a ton in combat. Yeah. Like, you know, so... You swapped characters all the time during yeah. combat, yeah. So it felt like a fluid team. Everybody was reacting well. Um, it wasn't just... They just weren't, like, standing there, right? You know, they were actually doing stuff, your, your teammates. Yeah. Um, so great combat system. They nailed that as well. Uh, so I, I give both of those games tens. I think they're they're both incredible. You, you mentioned that the original didn't really hold up, or it held up really well concerning the story and the cheats that you had. I, w I want to talk about that because I didn't like the graphics of the original. I thought the polygon stuff didn't hold up well, and I'm interested to see how the graphics of the remake are going to hold up because the graphics are very... I. They're not anything special in the remake. So I'd be interested to see how they hold So them. I disagree to an extent. I think that the graphics are special in the remake, but there's a lot that kind of hampers it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big graphics guy. I'm not a big tech guy, so I might use wrong lingo here. But I think, like, textures and stuff, like, and pop-up, you know, like kind of your yeah. environment. Yeah, 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 how close you get to something before. Yeah, and stuff populates. like that, like, yeah. your environment can look a little bland. But I guess for me... Like, what's immediately in front of you looks incredible. Okay. But I think everything else is a little shaky. Um, but also, to be fair, we're at the end of a console generation. I think this is a game that can benefit greatly from, you know, a new yeah. a new hardware. And that's another point, is that the game has a lot of kind of arbitrary loading points where you'll walk through, like, a tight space. And it's just kind of a clever way to hide loading. Oh, and, like, condense it so there's less for the console to process while it's loading yeah I don't, I don't yeah. know yeah, yeah i don't know but that's but, smart yeah well I don't, I don't know i don't it's but it's not good because it slows you down like it's just like you know i'm walking and oh here's another tight space just gotta run through it instead of putting a loading screen uh, or something okay. like in dark we were talking about dark souls like there's like the fog gates you know that's just a way of loading you know it's yeah. not <laughs> they just don't want to show you a loading screen but in but in the remake final fantasy 7 remake there's tons of those like little tight spots you have to walk through and, it, you know, it's a little cumbersome for sure. So when the PS5 comes out and you get all those fast, beautiful loading times that they're talking about, <laughs> um, I think a game like that would be greatly helped. Hmm. 
Is there anything else you want to talk about with it when it comes to Final Fantasy? Yeah, so the, the oh, ending. Oh, the plot? Yeah, the okay, ending. Okay, okay. So before we move on to the plot, again, this is mi- huge spoilers for the remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you want to talk in depth about the plot of the original versus the plot of the remake, we're going to be talking about it, but we're not going to go crazy in depth because it is a crazy in depth plot yeah okay so check it out on youtube there's some great videos about it it is a great great plot well written and it has a lot of lessons political controversy kind of stuff um just check it out if you're interested but we're we're, go ahead yeah talk about the plot yeah so the 98 percent of the remake is you know a faithful remake like everything from the original is still there nothing's really changed too much it's really just expanded it's just expanded of the old plot however throughout the entire game there's these ghost creatures called whispers and i didn't really understand what they were doing (laughs) i like in the during my playthrough i was being a little stupid i thought it was like sephiroth minions or something like that but what they actually represented was fate and if you go back and see what they did throughout the entire playthrough they tried to make sure that the events of the original game were upheld. So that the remake's plotline was following the original. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so at the end of the game, and before we even talk about any meta meeting or anything like that, at the end of the game, Aerith makes a decision that you need to go and kill fate, literally fate. <laughs> and the reason for that is that if you kill fate, you can alter the... Uh, uh, events of the original game right right alter the events of the original game and you can have a new ending and so at the end of the game instead of just ending at the road in midgar after you escaped shinra you go and literally kill fate and what this represents is that the remake part two won't be a one-to-one remake they're essentially saying we are released from the chains of the original game and so this is crazy because now the future of Final Fantasy VII is kind of up in the air. Um, it's not going to be a one-on-one remake now. They can go any direction they want to. Right, and I can understand why a lot of people would be upset about something like this. Um, because even though the original game is still there, you can always go and play it. Uh, it's definitely not as modernized as this. And you, you just kind of want to see these beautiful graphics and this great combat system on the original game. But for me, I'm personally really excited for it. I love the original game, but it's still the original game. I can always go back to it. I am really excited to see something new happen in this world, in this canon, in this plot. Um, So there's a lot of questions about how exactly this happened, if Aerith and Sephiroth are like from the future, or if there's some parallel universe (laughs) stuff going on here. So there is a lot of questions still left open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, at the very, very end of the game, there's like a weird flashback slash parallel universe thing where Zack, the character from the original in Crisis Core, doesn't die. And his him not dying is absolutely essential to the original plot. So it's like, well, what is going on here? And of course, the famous words as the game ends is the unknown journey will continue. Pretty much saying that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next. Um, so that personally excites me. I, I, I of course think that it's still going to be really similar to the original game, mm-hmm. going to Calm and Junon, et cetera, et cetera. But now they're able to kind of 
flex, be a little more flexible. They don't have to just go by the original game. They can put that modern twist on it and make sure they, they can tell a different story right. with these iconic characters. Right. Yeah. And we talked about kind of the meta meeting of Fate, how it's these old-looking ghosts <laughs> trying to get the director and everybody to do a one-to-one remake, and they k- literally kill those people, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> uh, oh. It's pretty much the director saying, let me be free, let me have my creative freedom. Uh, you know, a little on the nose, but I respect it, and I'm into it. So I'm really excited to see what's next. How long until you think we're able to see what's next? Whew, that's tough to say. Um, I'm hoping Square Enix is getting better. I will say that Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced five years ago and it's so it took about five years to release um but i think we're starting to see some you know differences in character from square enix because we still haven't even heard about final fantasy 16 yeah and that's rare for them there's usually like an immediate announcement yeah yeah they they usually have final fantasy games looming for like 10 years before they (laughs) release them or kingdom hearts games or whatever um so maybe they're kind of learning their lessons and holding off i will say that the like producers and I think even the director Namora was doing like interviews and stuff recently about the part two of the remake. Uh, if it even will be called part two, it may not even be called part two because it's not really a remake, but in these interviews, they, they didn't seem too sure about what to do either. Um, so I, I think that the game is still in conceptual planning stage. You know, I don't think that they're far into it at all. So I, I would say, you know, mid twenties, late like twenty twenty four. So it's probably going to be a while. Definitely uh, next gen, right? But yeah. the ending of the game gives us a lot to talk about and a lot to theorize. And like I said, I think it's one of the best games I've ever played. So you know, good on them. Even if the second one's a flop, if it doesn't come <laughs> out well, I'm happy with what we got so far. And I really. Seeing the quality of this, I have a hard time believing that they're gonna flop. It may not be as good as the this game. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm I'm excited. I think that they're gonna do good at least. Maybe not great, but I think at least good. Hmm. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to add on Final Fantasy Seven? No, I think that's it. Um I haven't played many Final Fantasy games. Um I I do plan on playing a lot more though. Um, I want to play 6, 9, 10, 12. But, yeah, I think it's an incredible game. If you're interested in the remake, I would highly suggest playing the original. Kind of gives you context for some of the decisions that they're with making. With cheats. Yeah, yeah, I, I would suggest it with cheats. Um, it just makes the experience better. And it's really not a long game either. won't take you more than 25 hours to beat, which is not that much for a JRPG. Um, so, yeah, love those games. I'm, I'm really excited for the future. Cool. All right, well, we saw... The Last of Us Showcase today. Yep. What do you think? Um. So for Last of Us, I don't really need to be sold, you know, <laughs> on the next game. Last of yeah. Us is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. I kind of know what's going to be brought to the table. And furthermore, there's so many leaks out there that anything on the internet dealing with Last of Us 2, I'm trying to avoid at all costs. <laughs> um, I'm definitely sensitive to spoilers. Uh, I feel bad for a lot of people in media because, you know, they've pretty much everybody has seen spoilers if, you, yeah. if you're kind of in games yeah. media, which is really messed up. I would definitely be very upset if I saw a spoiler. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to avoid it at all costs, but I, I did watch this and the game looks great. Not surprising. Um, I do think that Ghost of Tsushima's 
kind of presentation was probably a little better. Um, but I think part of that too was just because we didn't know anything about it. Whereas this presentation, I already kind of know what Last of Us is bringing to the table. So, you know, it, was, it looks great. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a 10 probably. So, you know, we'll see. See, that's an interesting point too that you just brought up is that you don't have to be sold on it. So for games like Last of Us, do you think that they really... That they're, I'm going to rephrase this. Do you think that they really have to find an audience? Because I feel like they already have a very core audience, and these showcases aren't for letting people discover the game, but for their core audience who already exists. Yeah, that's possible. You know, I, I would assume that anybody even tangentially interested in video games already knows about Last of Us. Yeah. yeah. Like, I see, I see your point. Like, you don't need to do this like hey you never heard of this game before you know what i mean like everybody kind of knows what it is and i think that even if you don't know what it is if you're just getting into you know gaming that you'll probably find out in a different way than a state of play you know so but whatever i i, I completely understand why why they did this i'm sure they had other stuff lined up um but then obviously all this coronavirus stuff is you know messing with their marketing so i don't want to be insensitive to that but it looks great don't really need to be sold out anymore. I don't need to watch any trailers. Like, just release the game already. <laughs> when does it release? I think June nineteenth, mid June. Um, it's gotten delayed so many times at this point. I'm just happy that they were able to work through all the COVID stuff, uh, figure out the physical, the physical discs, and they actually announced a special edition of a PS4. And I think that's a big reason why they had to wait a little longer is because they had to manufacture those as well. So, yeah, June 19th, only like three weeks away. Reviewers have already gotten copies, which is, to me, a good sign because that means they're probably confident in their games if you're letting people play it three weeks out, you know? So I think it that's might, a really good sign. Isn't it a massive game, though, that might require some reviewers three weeks? Massive by Naughty Dog standards. I mean, I doubt it'll be longer than 25 hours. Don't quote me on that. I might be wrong, but... You know, that's not going to be like an open-world RPG Witcher. Right. You know, it's not like you have to find a bunch of side quests. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not going to be like an open-world RPG. It'll be a mostly linear uh, game. That That is interesting, though, because Naughty Dog has been kind of moving towards a little less linear direction. I've never played Uncharted Lost Legacy, but apparently the levels kind of got a lot more expanded and open. And in Uncharted 4, which I did play... Uh, the levels were pretty big relative to like Uncharted 2 and 3. So you can kind of drive around, you know, go to one place or another, explore a little bit. So I think they're taking that to another level. And c that state of play kind of solidified that. They said like you, you need to be on a horse to even explore it. So that's exciting. I think that's cool. I, I'm glad that they're not just doing like a linear corridor hallway like some of the older Uncharted games, which I love. But... Yeah, I'm excited to see these bigger worlds that they're building and more exploration. So, uh, but no more than like 30 hours. I mean, good lord. <laughs> hmm. So, for reference, I'm actually a PC gamer. I watched Tanner play the original Last of Us. I never actually played it myself, but it was a really cool game to watch and experience with that, just with someone playing and experiencing it firsthand as well. So. Yeah, it's a very cinematic game. I I wouldn't say that the gameplay is the highlight anyway, no, which you can say yeah. a, a lot about Naughty Dog. Not that, not that it's bad, but a lot of Naughty Dog games are not so much famous for the gameplay. However, that's another thing that looks really good about this game is that the gameplay looks really, really good. It looks flushed out. 
Yeah, it looks super fleshed, fleshed out. out. Yeah. It, um, just the combat by itself looks like they put a lot of detail into how they are approaching it because their showcase had dogs, right. which are a new element, and new enemies, clickers and stuff like that, new clickers. Yeah, new, yeah, new zombies. New yeah, zo- yeah, yeah. In, right, in the game, the zombies are called clickers, yeah. Some of them, yeah. Some of them, yeah. yeah. So I think the gameplay is going to be a bigger highlight yeah. in this one. I hope so. Um, I will say my only, my only hesitation is really just that I feel like they could have left Last of Us alone. I think that the first one ends on a good mark, and I won't spoil anything. Well, actually, I, I, you can spoil it because the state of play actually spoiled it. Yes, the state of play. Yes, discussed it. Yes, so, so spoilers for Last yeah. of Us. <laughs> um, I feel like they left it on a good mark. They really didn't need to come back to the game, but I trust Naughty Dog, and I think that Naughty Dog knows that. Like they would have just phone it in. If they didn't have a story to tell, they wouldn't tell it. So I feel, and I think Neil Druckmann has even said that. I think he said, like, I am not making another Last of Us if I don't have a story to tell. So I think they have something, and I'm really excited for it, and I hope I don't get spoiled. (laughs) That is one discussion I wanted to bring up before we moved on, too, is that if they have a story to tell, they're going to tell it. Because a lot of people are going to look at this game and say, well, this is just another game that's trying to ride the early, the pre-console sales and then the post console sales because it did the same thing ps it dropped on ps3 and then 2013 yeah 2013 and then last of us remastered i think came on on ps4 a couple months later yes yeah so they're probably going to be doing the same thing well no not necessarily i disagree because this time the the consoles are backwards compatible oh yeah that's right which kind of brings up a whole different conversation of like how like are remasters dead Obviously, remakes aren't dead, but are, are remastered's dead. Because you can just play these games, and at least on Xbox, they're going to be up They're going to be uh, to the same quality as the new console. Yeah, yeah I think it's I called completely forgot the, about the that. smart delivery, which is still confusing. I don't quite understand yeah, how it works. just say backwards compatibility. Right, but it's... It's both... You buy it on one, you get it on the next. Yeah. Well, right, but it's... It, reacts to the quality of the console like it's going to be up and greater performance i don't i really don't know how that works we'll find out in the next few months for sure how playstation handles that mm. so th- there's not gonna be any remastered for last of us 2 i can guarantee that actually i, w- I won't guarantee it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens but yeah but a lot of other games like live service games it's like you know how is that going to work do they are they just going to be are they do they need any new releases? Do you need to buy? I doubt it, right? Like it's, is that you know what I mean? Huh? Yeah, I had completely forgotten about that. Well, on our Last of Us do you, discussion, do you have anything else to add? No, I'm just sure. really excited. Let's let's play. I don't need to see any more of it. Well, last week was it last week or two weeks ago that Xbox had their showcase? Ooh, I, I think I'm it not was quite sure. two. Uh, yeah, a couple weeks. A couple weeks ago, yeah, something like that. And then next week, is it PS Five? Yeah, so Jason Schreier tweeted today kind of confirming a long-lasting rumor that PlayStation's big game event is going to be early June, and it seems like it's going to be June 3rd. And if Jason Schreier tweets it, then it's probably true. Um, so that's really exciting. Is that Are we ready to move on to that? Yeah. So what are you expecting? What are you wanting from it? So for me as a PC gamer, I want to see some games move on to PC earlier. I, I know that a lot of single-player games, Xbox has a massive focus with their Game Pass on making games 
cross-platform between PC and Xbox. Uh, with Sony, I want to see single-player games because Sony right now owns the single-player experience right now. Absolutely, 100%. God of War, Last of Us, that's just a name too. I want games to get on PC quicker, but within a year maybe. I, is it... Uh, what was the recent game? Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn, yep. And Bloodborne's then, rumored to be. Yep. All those games. I want to see them come to PC earlier. If not earlier, I just want to see them come to PC at some point. That's what I want to see. But again, I'm a PC gamer. You're the PlayStation gamer. Right. So what do you want to see? Yeah, so, well, first of all, talking about the PC thing, you know, a lot of people were actually upset that Horizon was going to PC. Um, I think that's a... Bunch a, of gatekeeping yeah, is what nah. that is. Bunch of gatekeeping. Um, hey, we don't want to insult anybody, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but no, <laughs> but I, no, I think that it is a good thing that PlayStation exclusives will go to PC. Um, I understand why people may be hesitant on that, but I, I think it's a net good thing. And But I doubt it's going to really... They're not going to take the Xbox strategy where, like, day one, it's on Game Pass. You know, day one, it's on PC. Yeah, day one is cross-compatible. No. Yeah, cross Yeah, Last of Us will not be on PC anytime soon. No, no. Um, but, of course, her, hey, Horizon, you know, that's, that's a big that's I a can big see one. Horizon. Yeah. Horizon is... Right, the original Horizon yes, One. Yes, yeah, and I'm hey Horizon Two. You know, probably a year maybe. Um, right. Is that something you want to see announced at this event? It's not going to be announced. There. I don't really care for that. Okay. Um, that that's like a PlayStation blog type announcement. Um, <laughs> you think it, the first one hit pretty big? Yeah, it did, but you know, maybe not like a reveal of that. You know, okay. level. That's true. But, so I'll start with what I what I expect. I think that Resident Evil Eight is a lock for this event. Um, They've kind of annualized Resident Evil, you know, and I think that that's a good thing because a lot of the Resident Evil games, there's even like a subgenre where you have the new numbered entries that are first person and the remakes that are third person. And so Resident Evil 7 came out 2017, I believe. Yeah, I believe 2017. And so I think that Resident Evil 8, this is a this is a good time for that game to be released. Now, they've been doing a lot of remakes recently, haven't they? Yeah, two and three. Yeah, they've they've remaked. I, I've played both of them. I I really enjoy them. I like two better, but I have not played seven yet. Um, so I, I'll probably try to play that before eight comes out. I'm assuming that it's going to be announced at this event and then come out in January of 2021. And I think Ooh, that's even, a that's a pretty specific prediction. Well, so Capcom has released pretty much all not all I wouldn't say all, but a lot of their games in in very early uh part of the year. So Monster Hunter World was January, Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil 2 Remake. But RE3 Remake kind of broke that trend because it came out in April. Um, but I'm expecting Resident Evil 8 probably January, but maybe, you know, first quarter of the year. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's a lock. You'll probably see RE8 there. I think another lock is, I wouldn't say a lock, but I, I'm pretty confident we'll see the console. That is one thing that I've been seeing recently. Because oh, we haven't seen it yet. Right, haven't We've seen, seen the it controller. Yet. Yep. Yep. It is that this event is going to be, I think, I think more games focused. That's what seems to be the the wave right now. Mm-hmm. Is that it's going to be a more games focused conference, which personally appeals to me a little more. So I'm not expecting like a price or a release date quite yet. So it's not like an entire blowout, but I still think we'll probably see the console. Uh, it'll probably, I, it might be that V-shaped. I don't. Have you seen that photo 
of the uh, the have. dev kit. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I'm. I kind of feel like it might look similar to that. We'll see. It may not, but I could definitely see it. Um, so I think those are the two locks. In terms of what I want, but not super confident of, the very first thing is Horizon Zero Dawn Two, Horizon One Dawn, as they might say. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they'll call it, but Horizon probably some subtitle is is probably what it's going to be. Um, I wouldn't say it's going to be a launch title, but I I would bet a lot of money that it'll be out within the first six months of the console. Um, the game was originally going to be a PS4 game, and now they've kind of adjusted to making it a next-gen game. So I can't imagine it'll be like two years after the PS5 comes out. I highly doubt it. Um, I think that we'll probably see a teaser of Horizon 1 Dawn at the conference, which is really exciting. Horizon's one yeah. of my favorite favorite games from this generation. Um, and that was their first go at an open world. So thinking about all the improvements that they're going to make on the open world and how they build that is going to be awesome. And the story, in my opinion, of Horizon Zero Dawn was awesome. The plot was amazing. Um, so I think that is probably going to be there. In terms of more things on the wish list, I would like to see a Spider-Man 2. I kind of doubt it that it's going to be at this event just because it feels like forever ago, but it only came out late 2018, late-ish 2018. So I'm not super confident on that. I don't think Spider-Man 2 is going to take four or five years to make. I, it'll probably come out next year um, just because just the way Insomniac talked about it. Do you think they're going to make it, a Spider-Man 2 game? Do what? Do you think they're going to make a Spider-Man 2? Yeah. Really? I feel like that game would be I so think it's much... already like, pretty much announced. You do? Yeah. I mean, that's a lock. That's, yeah. It and it's going to be great because the original was awesome. Um, so I think that there's a potential, like a, like a 20% chance Spider-Man 2 is at this event. Not highly confident. Another thing to talk about is what Bluepoint's doing. Bluepoint is responsible for a lot of remakes, uh, like Shadow of the Colossus. They ported over the uh, Uncharted games. The, the the Nathan Drake collection is what they did. And I think that with Shadow of the Colossus, they've proved that they're able not to just do remasters, but they can do hardcore po- like remakes. Like They're very capable. And I think a big rumor is Demon's Souls, uh, a Demon's Souls remake. Um, and as someone who has just learned about from software and their the great games that they make, uh, that really excites me. I think that would be awesome if they did a Demon Souls remake, even if it's not Demon Souls. It may even be Jack and Daxter, for all we know. That's another rumor. I think that we'll probably see Blue Point there. Uh, and then lastly, in terms of probable things, is I think that Gran Turismo seems to be ha- having a new entry at launch. Gran Turismo, the racing game? Yeah, Gran Turismo 7, I think. Wow. Yeah. So we'll probably see some sort of like sportsy, I would consider that like a sports game, I guess. Probably not. That's probably not a smart thing to say. But like a racing type game. Yeah, is it a, I don't know much about that game. Is it a racing sim or is it just a? I'm not super familiar with racing games either. I okay. think that it leans towards the sim side. But regardless, I, I do remember reading that the previous entry was not too good, not too loved. So hopefully they can kind of turn that around and fix that. Um, and then lastly, I've heard stuff about God of War 2. two, two That's going to be a while. That's going to be a while for sure. I, I'm not expecting that at this event. I would love it 
but I'm not expecting it. Hmm. So is there anything else you want to add concerning the expectations, outcomes? No, I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, we might do another episode before it even happens. Like I said, this is not official at this moment. Right. That's Yeah, that's true. It is not official. Jason Schreier has tweeted about it. But also, I want to see how they talk about it because I want to see how they market it. Like, are they going to specifically say games reveal? Yeah. Right. I can see it being a hardware reveal. Right. I think that there's a lot of rumors, people saying that not to expect release date and price. That's like, that's a very heavily rumored thing. Um, But obviously nothing is confirmed. Um, It's just kind of crazy without E3 so far. You know, all these rumors going around. It seems like every week there's a big announcement of something. Um, Everything's just not conglomerated anymore. So it's kind of difficult to keep up with everything. But, you know, it's been fun. I'll miss E3, but this has been very interesting. So tell me if you want to do this in a different discussion. But Sony wasn't at the past E3, right? Right. Right. With this whole coronavirus stuff and E3 not happening, do you think E3 is going to happen in the future? Or is this worth a whole other discussion? Um. We can talk about it now a little okay. bit. We don't have to focus on it too much, but I think that E3 has been losing a little bit of steam throughout the years. Um, I think the two major incidents, the first being uh, Sony pulling out, I forget what year it was, but they just decided, hey, we're not going to be here. And it ended up working out because they didn't have anything to announce. And all the other companies that went that year, it just seemed kind of weak. And that makes sense because it was at the end of the generation you're kind of just finishing out the generation, releasing all your games. And so there were a lot of companies there that just didn't have much to announce, a lot of like substantive things to announce. And so Sony kind of won by not being there. And I think that showed like, hey, if we don't have anything to announce, we don't have to come here, right? Yeah. Um, and, and one interesting point even that I want to bring up real quick about the PS5 event is that there has not been a major first-party PlayStation game announced in a long time. They've just been releasing all of these games leading up to the end of the generation. So I think that's really cool. Um, And then the second thing with E3 is that they had this whole issue with uh, privacy, kind of doxing a lot of journalists and media members that went there. You know, if you're someone who goes to E3 and something like that happens to you, you know, I can't imagine that, you know, you're like a big fan of of the company who who does that. Um, As a matter of fact... Jeff Keighley, who's running the Summer Games Fest, he was going to do something for E3, and he pulled out of it, saying, like, I I just don't like the direction it's headed. Um, So it seems like it's not just the fact that companies are pulling out, like Sony and not doing it, but also kind of internal struggles that they're having that's hurting E3 stock. With that being said, E3 2021 has already been announced, so it's going to happen, but the question is, is it going to have the same pop as it did and I kind of doubt it and I think that we've already seen it I think that 2015 to 2016 was the height of E3 success and then after that it just kind of went down and down and there's some pros and cons to that I think that it's a net I think it kind of cancels each other out because on one hand I like how companies are able to announce when they feel comfortable Right, so you don't have you don't have to show up in June if you don't want to and give a presentation that a lot of people are going to call disappointing. So now it's good for the companies because you don't have to go when you don't want to. But I think it's bad because E3 is so hype, everything's concentrated. 
you know what days to expect and, and kind of what to expect from the conferences. But now it's just like the Wild West where it's all these weird events, like one day's a reveal and then one day's a reveal. IGN's doing this, GameSpot's doing that. So there's some pros and cons, but I think that in the future we'll adjust to an E3-less world and have a set summer schedule in place, but just not this summer. See, I think I disagree with that. And I think E3, the event itself, in the near future is going to go by the wayside, but they're going to keep the time frame and just do digital showcases around that time. Because with the digital showcase, you can control exactly what people see to the T. No one's going to slip up on stage. No one's going to do something cringy on stage or react bad to someone in the crowd i think that digital showcases are going to be pretty big from now on and the last last for showcase that happened today is just the start of what we're going to see from well i wouldn't on. even say the start i think it's already been happening um, uh, it's been happening because of the coronavirus stuff well even before that because you had state of play started you know a oh, few that, years ago Yeah, that's true yeah uh, and also obviously this is obvious but nintendo directs have been happening for a long time now and they build just as much hype as a normal press conference would. Yeah. I will they say that parties and everything. Right. Yeah. I will say that uh, the cringe on stage of E3 is part of the charm. <laughs> you know, you got to miss the Just Dance the, Ubisoft the section. Memes with Keanu Reeves and everything. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. yeah just crazy stuff like that. Uh, some people will miss that. I personally prefer digital events. Yeah. Obviously, there's some magic in having a crowd, like the classic Final Fantasy VII announcement. People going nuts, just all of E3 2015. People just losing their minds. Shenmue 3, E3 2016, God of War. People losing their minds when Kratos was revealed. That's going to suck. But I like the idea of well-produced videos coming up at a convenient time. uh, And whenever the company wants to do it, you know? When it's ready, not waiting three months after it's ready to announce it. That's why I I hope that PlayStation really goes harder with state of plays because I think that prior to the Ghost of Tsushima state of play it was kind of meh all the state of plays they were they were pretty mid-tier in terms of presentations I thought they were paced well but they never had huge announcements um one of them had a Final Fantasy 7 remake trailer which is cool but it was announced before so like we kind of knew what to expect and then another had the announcement for RE3 remake but that one was leaked so, once again, that kind of just took away from the, the power of it. So, I hope that State of Plays get the same view of a Nintendo Direct. Like, it's seen as equally important. Because I think so far, not so much. But with these Ghost of Tsushima's and Last of Us State of, uh, State of Plays, I think they're starting to gain steam a little bit. And there's actually a rumor that after doing this big uh, game reveal next week, that two months from now in August... There's going to be a big state of play. So I think that's going to help with that too. So you think there's going to be a more consistent showcase of things as we move forward? I hope so. I hope so. I will say, you know, with Nintendo Directs, though, a big Nintendo Direct hasn't happened in a long time. Um, So that is kind of a negative aspect because you said you talked about consistency. You know, with these digital events, you're not held to a specific date like E3, right? Like, like, Like we said, you can do whatever you want. But that could be a bad thing because what if you just don't have anything to announce? You know, so it's kind of weird. I will say another point about digital events is I don't like it when they're shadow dropped. Nintendo's been doing that. Shadow dropped. What do you mean by that? Like there's no uh, buildup. They just drop it. 
oh, they just post it without any yeah, like, on YouTube something, or something coming tomorrow. Right. Yeah, they just post so, it. There's some pros and cons to that. I personally don't like it because it's just not as exciting. It doesn't build as much hype. You just kind of see it and you watch it. I think Nintendo did that, of course, with the Paper Mario trailer. But also, I think with the last Mini Direct, they did that. They just dropped it. However, it can work, a Shadow Drop, if what you're announcing is not that significant. Right, so like I remember the the Mark Cerny thing for PS5 that they did, that kind of tech thing that they did. They announced it a day before. They specified it was supposed to be like a game developers conference. It was kind of hardcore tech stuff. Oh yeah, it but was despite PhD that, level. right? Yeah, but despite setting everybody's expectations, the fact that they did it a day early, everybody just lost their minds. And then when the presentation actually happened, people were all pissed off about it, right? Which kind of sucks. You know, you got to set your expectations correctly. So I understand why you would shadow drop, but I wouldn't want PlayStation just like drop in like a state of play randomly. Like give us at least a day to market it and prepare for it. Well, awesome. I think that concludes our discussion. You think you got anything else? No, I, I don't know if we'll talk again before the event. We'll probably talk after. Yeah, we'll probably yeah. talk after. I just really hope for Horizon 2. I really hope for PS Now being expanded. I want to throw that out there as well. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah. But yeah. I want to see PS Now becoming Game Pass level. I want them to talk about PS Now and I want them to talk about Horizon 2. All right. That's all I got to say. <laughs> launch. Put it on launch. You Put cowards. it on launch. There we you go. Cowards. Well, all right. That is episode one of Word on the Street. Go Hope easy on us. All right. It's our first episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't be too hard on us. Um, thanks everybody for listening to the show. Bye bye.